Welcome, welcome everybody. It is the AME Radio Show. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and we have got a lot of great stuff to talk to you guys about. Uh, we have a couple of guests coming up, and we recently, just last week, released our newest edition of the AME Television Show. And I got to tell you guys, this was a very trying edit and capture for the entire television show. I've never had such trouble in my life. Honestly, every piece of equipment that we had broke or failed, and it made it very hard to get what we needed to get to make this a great show. However, we were able to do with what we had and made it work. We had SD cards fail. We had compact flashcards uh, fail. We had our our microphones fail. We had lighting fail. We had everything that could possibly have happened fail. Have any of you guys ever had anything like that? If you have, what have you done? Do you let it get to you? Do you just keep on rolling? Do you find alternatives? How do you worry about anything? Do you worry at all if anything goes wrong? Do you? How do you get yourself out of these type of positions? You know, this is what this is really what what makes us professionals in our in our field. Now, just because you have an, you have something go wrong, doesn't mean that it's the end of the world, and it does not mean that you're not going to be able to do something and produce something great. And that's something I learned here this week. You know, it really kept me focused and humbled because I got to realize that when my back is to the wall, when my crew needs me, I need to be there for them. And that's exactly what this came out of. I have a show. It may not be the absolute best that we've ever produced, but we took garbage and turned it into something amazing. So that I'm very proud of. Guys, if you have a chance, go to our website, www.theamemagazine.com. Go to our radio show link there. You can see all of our stuff that we have up there, our upcoming guests, our past guests, and our shows. You can also go see our television uh, our television link there. You can see all of our past shows and all of the great adventures that we had. And there you'll see that television show that I'm talking to you about. I really hope you guys enjoy it. It's uh, with Pete Trabuco. He is an author, and he's going to be on this radio show too but he is he has written just about every every roller coaster that you can imagine from coast to coast amazing guy and we have a lot of other things that we that we showed inside that that episode and then you can go to our magazine which is uh the ame magazine which is arts and entertainment but we also have the paranormal one called beyond the limits so go check those out when you get a chance and i think it's about time now that we should bring on our first guest i have on the phone with me right now her name is chris kepler and she has her brand, Does This Happen to You? It's a one-woman show. It's a weekly podcast that she puts on. Well, Chris, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. I'm a little hot. It's uh, kind of warm here. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me about that. Seattle's not having a heat wave with absolutely no yeah, uh, AC. Ha- yeah, a heat wave and nobody has AC. So, yeah, we're sweating a lot up here. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's always fun. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about um, the tell us about what what this is. Uh, does does this happen to you? What is this all about? How did you come up with it? You know, I uh, I came up with it. It sort of evolved slowly. I used to do singing telegrams all the time, um, and so when the economy sort of went in the toilet in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, that sort of stopped, and I'm I miss doing singing telegrams and comic rows. Mm-hmm. And so um, an acting friend was putting together a late night, and and I thought, well, maybe I can, you know, adapt my comic rows singing telegram to do a show. And so I, I did a little late night show, and it, it turned out 
better than I thought. Um, you know, I was a 50-something performing in front of 30-something, so that was a little scary. Right. So uh, basically, is it just you out there that, that's doing commentary and, like, acting? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's sort of like the the, the stage show is is really sort of like um, theatrical stand-up. Because mm-hmm. I do characters, and some of the characters are longer than just a few seconds. They're sometimes a minute or so. So, um, yeah, so that's how I, I got into it. And then um, and then one day I got dive-bombed by crows in the neighborhood, and I'm thinking, you know, does this ever happen to anyone else? And I thought, oh, you know, that might be kind of interesting to put into, you know, a package. And and then a friend, um, uh, I worked with a friend on a, she was thinking about podcasting, and I did a little show with her about health insurance or something like that, or business. And I thought, well, podcasting, I think I'll try that. And... And, and I think I'll use, does this happen to you? <laughs> <laughs> so I started writing little things about strange things that happened to me, like getting dive-bombed by crows and stalked by crows. And um, then we have two dogs and funny things that happen with the dogs. And, and somebody said, oh, you should blog. So I thought, well, I'll try that. <laughs> Wow. And uh, so then I started the blog, and but once I started the blog, it's like, oh boy, I don't have time to do all this. And I, you know, I was seeking participation in the. Does this happen to you? I was trying to get, you know, feedback on weird things that happened to other people, mm-hmm. and so I thought, and I had all these great blogging friends who wrote these wonderful stories, that, you know, they're they're not authors and so they're never going to probably have an audio book but still I thought well these are great stories you know to be an audio and and my podcast is designed to be short so it's just you know a little laugh that you can listen to you know for the week mm-hmm. it's not an hour-long show that you have to set aside any time for anything they're the most of my podcasts are about between five and ten minutes. They're mm-hmm. really short. So how do, you really get, short. how do you get stalked by a crow? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> These crows around here are just, yeah, you know, I, I walked out and there was a, the front door and there was a crow in the lawn that looked at me and I looked at it and then I walked up the stairs to my car and I was putting things in my trunk and I'm like, why do I feel that someone is staring at me, and I turned around, and that crow had followed me up the <laughs> stairs, and was standing, <laughs> standing behind me, it's like, <laughs> okay, I've never fed the crows, <laughs> why would you think? <laughs> was it the same crow that dive-bombed you? It was the same, uh, oh, no, I don't think so, <laughs> we have so many, our neighborhood is just filled with crows. And they're just they're obnoxious. So you have the good feathers. You have the you have the uh, the the crow mafia. That's pretty funny. Uh, we do, yeah, we do. I I I have seen I have seen them a flock of them run off a bald eagle out of the neighborhood. Really? 
little, yeah, uh, yeah. There, yeah, there's a gang of them here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're definitely a gang. <laughs> That's funny. So what other kind of things have happened to you that you talk about on your podcast and stuff? Oh, let's see. Oh, my goodness. So many things. Oh, um, we were, um, uh, yeah, had, uh, we were attacked by a cat twice, dogs and I. <laughs> I called that what? Uh, a walk-by climb. Yeah. <laughs> Not a drive-by shooting, a walk-by climb. <laughs> so you just walked by this spasmatic cat and the thing attacked you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This one we'd never, we, the one cat we knew about, and it had threatened us before, but this time it was down very close to the sidewalk when we came by, and it was just like, okay, you're too close. I'm yeah. coming to get you. <laughs> so you just need but to stay away. Cat, you just need to stay what? away from animals. <laughs> I know. This other cat we had never seen before. Never seen before. Had no idea. You know, and it was, uh, it was in the yard. And when we walk by, and it's like, I'm watching it, and I'm going, okay, that cat looks like it's, oh, my God, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it just took off running straight for us. And just got, you know, it ended up underneath the two dogs, and they're like, what? What? Oh, it's a cat. We get to touch a cat, a cat, a cat. You know, and the cat's just like, paws are flying, and nobody said a word. Not the dogs, not the cat. There was just this <laughs> couple. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was one of the, you know, you know. And let's see. Oh, uh, we're out walking one Sunday morning, and all of a sudden we heard, like, a boat horn. Uh, and uh, the one neighbor was out in the street in his bathrobe with a boat horn. <laughs> because the neighbor's dog was barking. <laughs> That's a good way to t take care of it. Let's let's blow a horn at it and wake everybody else up. Yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, boys, let's. I think we'll just walk away from here quickly. <laughs> I saw. I was driving down one day and I saw this. Uh, I saw this old man sitting out in the woods, kind of, it's a little bit off the road, but not too far off the road, in his uh -huh. tidy whities eating fried chicken out of a bucket. <laughs> and he looks so weird, you know. Like, wait a second here. Did I just see that? You know, and he's just yes. sit, just sitting there like nobody's business, just eating his chicken. It's like, what? Uh -huh. Why are you looking at me? You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a does I call that a does this happen to you moment? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you get into comedy, and how did you get into acting, and all this other kind of stuff? Was it something you were, you were born to do, and you just kind of did it as a child, or is it something you, you just kind of fell into later on in life? You know, I started out as a singer. Really? And I sang in choir starting in junior high school, and I sang in choir all the way through college. And then I got bored with singing in choir, just standing up there singing. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I quit for like, what, almost 10 years? And then a blind date took me to a Gilbert and Sullivan production. And in the program, they said, oh, we need chorus members. Why don't you come and audition? And I'm like, you know, 
we'll try that. <laughs> and I auditioned, and I was a fairy in the next production, which was Iolanthe. <laughs> wow. So, and I actually, I thought it was fun. And I did a few more chorus things, and it's like, you know, I want to be up front. I'm <laughs> getting tired of standing in the back. I want to be up front. And so I started taking acting lessons, and I just, you know, kept building on that. And I did lots of community theater, and then I moved into, um, Seattle has so much theater that it's it's not... It's almost like semi-professional theater. There's so much theater around here. Mm-hmm. And so it has sort of an intermediate between community theater, there's like semi-professional, and then, um, you know, union. Um, and so I sort of moved into the Seattle and did what would be considered more than community theater. And, um, and then I got into film acting, and I really liked that. And I have, uh, I now have an IMDb page. Uh, I've done several independent films. And, yeah, it just sort of, and then since I was a singer, voice acting is just, uh, it really ties in with singing. So that's one of the reasons I really like voice acting. Because um, I use some a lot of my singing techniques mm-hmm. uh, in voice acting. And I set up my own home studio, so... It's really nice. You just you don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you don't get attacked by crows. Go into the studio. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I just get up and go to the mic, and you know, away I go. So, um, so yeah, that's um, it's just been you know a gradual building of uh, one little block on the on the other. Mm-hmm. You know, Um, one thing I've always admired about voice acting is it's different from any other acting. And people that that don't understand what I'm trying to say is, you know, when when you you got to you got to connect with them, you got to define a character with nothing but your voice. And, you know, that's one of the things that was really cool about old time radio and stuff is that that's they, Uh they were so professional at it and they did it live. That's what blows me away. Yeah. You know, I yeah. kind of miss that. I miss, do you miss that old radio? I mean, do you ever listen to it? To, I know, do, find yeah. Oh, yeah. I love those programs. They're wonderful. What's your yeah. favorite type I of program? Yeah, um, comedy. Comedy? <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, as far as acting goes, I, I write comedy, but um, I often do, I do a lot of drama as an actor. Um so I, I like that, too. I mean, you sort of get the real, you know, you get a variety, which mm-hmm. which is good. And you get to explore all different kinds of characters. That's um, true. Dark ones, you know, funny ones. Yeah. Is that your favorite part, being able to, to play something that you're not? And, you know, trying to discover what other people see and other people do based upon, you know, the character that you have? Yeah, it's it's really fun to get to define a character um, and, and, and meet, you know, meet new characters mm-hmm. and think, well, what, usually I'm always looking for, I'm always going to give a part of myself to that character, um, which can be scary if you're playing a really dark character. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, yeah, I didn't know that was there. Uh, <laughs> but, um, 
but it's like it's like each time you're meeting someone new and and then giving them that character more dimensions um you know even beyond what what part of you you're giving you need to give them even more backstory mm-hmm. and you know and and giving them their story it's um yeah that's that's one of the uh, best parts of acting for me is that the most fulfilling part of it or is it is it just been um or is it something else because i mean it, it's it's something always for somebody you know it, there's something that fulfills them more in acting than anything else yeah. is that what it is for you or there's something yeah, else yeah it's 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 bringing a new character to life yeah and filling out their story that's that's yeah have you ever shocked yourself with like, wow, I can't believe I played that type of a character because it's like completely not me? Oh, let's see. I I usually play the mom, and it's usually a nice mom. Mm-hmm. And um, a few years ago, I played a mom, but she was not so nice. And she was sort of the, well, she was the villain of the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in a really nasty way, but, um, and it, I, other actors who I had worked with had told me, who played villains, said the most fun part of playing a villain was getting booed. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it was. You know, because I got, you know, people, you could hear people in the audience going, oh, you know, over this woman and the things she said. And it's like, that was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I worked around a lot of wrestlers, and they were saying the same thing, the ones that were that, that were the bad guys. You know, they actually thrive off of the, the booze and the, and the, and the, and the uh, heckling and stuff like that because it, it helps. It know, If they can do that, then they have been able to, you know, get their point across that they are a bad guy. They've been hated, and yep. that's exactly what they're trying to do. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. And and it's yeah, it's it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was fun. I was like, wow, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you prefer? You've done you've done uh, theater theater acting. You've done film acting. What is the best out of those two? Which one would you prefer to do if you had a choice, or does it really matter to you at all? Uh, my current choice is film, really enjoying film, and uh, in fact, I've, I've had my best year ever this year, um, and I just booked a role in my fifth film for this year, wow. which is, that's a new record for me, so that's really exciting. Yeah. That's really interesting. So we got about three minutes left uh, of the interview. So tell people how they can hear your blog. Tell people how they can find you, and uh, maybe tell us some of the uh, some of the projects you have coming up. Well, my blog is on WordPress under "Does This Happen to You?" and Chris Kepler, and my podcast is on Podbean, and it's also under "Does This Happen to You?" and uh, my identity out there is Chris K K Aria. That's K-R-I-S-K-K-A-R-I-A. And I also have, um, you can access them through my website at uh, chriskepler.com. All right. And uh, coming up, I just booked, um, I just finished my 
fourth audio book, which is out on Audible. So if you want to listen to any of my audio books out on Audible, if you just put my name in, Chris Tupler, it will bring up all the books. And I just, um, I'm just starting a job for four more audio books. Wow. So that's really exciting. That should be out on Audible um, by this fall. Well, very good, and thank you for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, I loved having some jokes with you, and I look forward to seeing more of your work in the future here. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. All right, everybody, we're going to go to a commercial break, and when we get back from the break, stay tuned because we're going to be having more music, more commentary, and more fun, so stay tuned. Do you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. Hi, I'm Erin Craco, and I hope you'll watch our show, When Calls the Heart, on Hallmark Channel. All right, everybody, I have on the line right now with me a guy named Carl Held. He's an actor, and he's been in so many of some of my favorite shows growing up. It's amazing. But most importantly, he was in Star Trek, and I cannot believe that it has been 50 years. It is celebrating its 50-year anniversary this year, and what an accomplishment for the, for the show, and it's had so many different variations of it. And we're going to talk to him about that right now. Carl, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Jason. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm glad you could be with us. So, 50 years—that's um, pretty. That's a pretty big accomplishment for any show, I'm sure. Oh yes, I mean, I think it's sort of the most phenomenal cult show that uh, America's ever had from television. It's just unbelievable. What was it like when it first came out? I mean. What was the what was the uh, the opinions and what was the the uh, the fan base like? I mean, is it st- was it as crazy as it is today when it first started out, or did it kind of grow over the years? No, it was very calm and tame in the beginning, and no one had any idea that it was ever going to grow into anything like it has. I mean, it, it was long after the the show had been done. They were on, they did what seventy nine episodes uh, in the middle sixties. And it wasn't until the show went into syndication that it started to take off and became as popular as it is today. But now it has even skipped a generation. Uh, I, I tell you, Jason, I live in a uh, retired community, and, you know, we have people here whose, whose sons find out that I was on Star Trek, you know, 50 years ago. They go, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, can I have your picture, can I have your picture? It's not just them. It's their children. There are kids here uh, I've run into who are in their 20s, and they are Star, Star, uh, Star Trek fanatics. It's, it's just incredible. Just incredible. 
And it was really a show, you know, years before its time, um, you know, with all the things that they that they did and they came up with, and and the 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 terminology and and the advanced thinking of John Gene Roddenberry. I think that's really what made it so spectacular because you had all these other things in 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 uh, with Battlestar Star Galactica, and it had just it had some stuff, but it didn't have what this thing had with federations and different alien forms coming together and the and the technology. Yes, that's absolutely true. And and also, among other things, you know, what uh, Gene Roddenberry did uh, in his scripts, they, you know, they exist on two levels anyway. There is all the science fiction gimmicks and all of that stuff, which is fa- fascinating to watch, and they did wonderful things. But also, the stories existed on a couple of levels. Uh, I mean, like the episode that I was in, which is called uh, Return of the Archons. It was visually exciting. It was all kinds of wonderful stuff going on. But underneath all of it, there was a social commentary that Gene had promoted in it. And whether you got that or not, the, the show existed on those two levels. So some people would get both levels. Some would just get, you know, the surface of it. Uh, but whatever... That's what helped make it work. It, it had depth to it as well. So what was it like uh, when you first got your transponder? Did you play with it all the time? Did you hit it and hopefully you got beamed up or anything? It's a transponder. I yeah. think it was. <laughs> Those are awesome. I mean, that was one of the things that if I had to be on that show, that's what I would probably be focused on. I'd probably forget all my lines. If you're looking at this thing, it's like, okay, touching it, touching it, you know, communication. I think that'd be the yeah. funnest part. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. But what I'm trying to tell you is, is way back then we had no idea, you know, transponders were going to be the thing, or phasers, or, or, or stun guns, or whatever, you know. And uh, it, we just took it in stride as another television show, and, uh, it, you know, we, we, we were impressed, of course, you know, because the ratings were good. As a matter of fact, uh, the exciting moment was when I was filming and we're on the, the back lot, the 40 acres. Uh, we're gone with the wind was shot. And uh, we, we were filming one afternoon. And the word came down onto the set that the show had been picked up for the following season. And, you know, everybody was cheering and very, very happy. They had no idea if the show was going to go on. Mm-hmm. That just shows you, you know, where we were at the time. We were not anywhere near where the fans are today and where the show went uh, years later. Uh, it was from year to year, and they were hoping to get picked up again. They just weren't that confident or that sure. Was it pretty much like that for just about every television show? Because, I mean, it was so new back in the in the 50s and 60s and stuff like that that it's kind of hard to, to fathom that there'd be, you know, such a... There wasn't that many channels, so there really wasn't that many slots to fill. That's true. There, there were fewer channels. Um, it, it was there were new sh- shows were dropped every year, and uh, you never knew when the acts would fall. Uh, it was and actors were always so grateful to be on a series because for actors to be employed steadily is unbelievable. And uh, you know the money piles up. You pay all your rent. And everything is is great as opposed to when you're freelancing and you don't have a steady job. So of course you want that job to keep on going. And uh, and you you live not in fear but in hope that it's going to be picked up yet again. And then when it is, you know, it's a big hurrah. 
but also it's not just for actors, you know, because we are the ones on screen, and we get the credit, and we get the fans and all that, but you have crews that are working behind you, all kinds of people, the makeup people, uh, and the costume people. These people need work, too, and when their show is picked up. They go, yay, and they've got another year and another season. And it's good for them, too, because many of them are like actors in the sense that when you're freelancing, you just don't work all the time. And your greatest fear is, oh, boy, I'll never work again. You know? Right. But, so, but you, you, hit I, a, I, you hit a good point on that, though, because, I mean, those people really did make that show revolutionary. I mean, when you look at oh, the yeah. difference between, you know, the original Star Trek and then you look at, let's just say, um, Star Wars, the movie. I yeah. think actually the Star Trek, uh, the Star Trek series had better makeup, better costumes, and uh, better special effects than I think the actual Star Trek movie did, uh, the Star Wars movie. Yeah, well, uh, the uh, the costumes guy was uh, I don't remember his name, Bill Bill Thice. Uh He was. I'm, I'm looking at pictures of Star Trek. I got a book that a friend gave me for my birthday last month. When I turned 84, excuse me, and uh, there are wonderful photos in here of uh, all the Star Trek uh, episodes. And I look at the costumes that I remember. Of course, those costumes were incredible. And the makeup, you know, there was a show that, um, a Star Trek episode that my wife did. My wife's name, by the way, is Sarah Marshall. Uh, you and your listeners may have heard of her, too. And certainly the Star Trek fans would know of Sarah, who was in the episode um, The Deadly Years, where everyone ages uh, rapidly. And uh, and that's the big problem. Someone has contracted a, a disease from uh, one of the planets. And here I go about, uh, you know, how important makeup people are. Bill uh, Shatner, Captain Kirk, was aging very rapidly, and to do his makeup, some when he got finally old, very much older, it would be six hours. Wow, six hours sitting in the chair while they put little peel, peels of latex on him and aging, and he looked incredible. I mean, just, but of course, the awful thing is that one day he was in the chair for you know, the six hours, and he came out to work in the afternoon, and they said, well, that's a wrap for today. We're all going home. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to visit Sarah on the set uh, the next day, and I saw Bill. Now, see, now Bill and Sarah and, and I go way back. We go back to 1958. We were all in the same play on Broadway. I don't know if you knew that or no, not, but not. Uh, and uh, the it was my first professional job, and I understudied Bill Shatner, and uh, and funnily later on, on in when I was living in England, I played Captain Kirk in a commercial, a takeoff on uh, Star Trek, and so that when uh, I got. You know, I'm, I'm running, uh, I'm running off base here. I want to get back to the fact that when I visited Sarah on the set, uh, I went in and Bill had just come off this awful day where he'd had the makeup all ready for six hours and then he said, go home. <laughs> it was the next day I came in and I said, hi, Bill, nice to see you. And he was in the makeup chair and, you know, he wasn't surly, but he didn't want to talk. <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so 
when I got hired to, to play in Return of the Archons, uh, I thought, I think they're making a mistake because I'm Bill Shatner's type, or we're the same type. Otherwise, why would they have had me understudy him? Why in England would they have hired me to play Captain Kirk in a commercial? You know, because I'm the same type. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking through this Star Trek book, and there's a picture uh, taken from Return of the Archons. And there's Bill, and, and there's me. We're in the same picture, and you can see how similar we are. Yeah. I did notice However, that. But, yeah, but the thing is, we weren't that close together during the show, you know, during most of the show, except at the end. And there's a scene when Lindstrom, my character, he's a sociologist, who's very much interested in what's going on on this planet. And he's a convenient character that Gene wrote in to uh, help move the plot along and promote this, uh, this, the sociology aspect of what's going on on the planet. And uh, at the end, everyone takes off, and Lindstrom, my character, is left there on the planet saying that everything is back to normal because these people were all deprived of their will uh, prior to uh, the, the, the Enterprise and the crew showing up. Uh, and everyone was behaving alike and very uh, mechanical. There, was, there were no crimes. There was no, no excitement going on. Everything was boring. And people were perfect, you know. And uh, when it all returns to normal... Uh, there they leave, and uh, Lindstrom is left there and reporting back to Enterprise and saying, "You know, there was a there, there was a little fight going on between the husband and wife down the street, and this and that was going on, and everything's back to normal." Well, all of that was shot on Kirk, Captain Kirk, Bill Shatner listening, and shot on me talking from the other end. And you know, when it came on air. They never showed me. It was all on Bill, and he was listening because they found when they were cutting back and forth, some people might look at the screen, wait a minute, who's who here? Wow. And, and in a sense, that was Gene's mistake because he, he, was, he was so impressed with <laughs> my interview that he didn't consider it for the moment. And I ran into him years later. He said, Gene, uh, you know, about the last section of the, of the show, I said, you cut away. And uh, I think it was because Bill and I were too similar in type. He said, I realized that when that happened and when you were doing the show, but it was too late, we couldn't fire you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But, you know, that's how it is. Listen, now now this is the sort of thing that, uh, I'm making a plug here, you will not find on uh, my website, which is just up and running. It's not finished, but it's under carlheld.com. And if anybody's interested, you know, they can see my credits that you bragged about and uh, some bio uh, biographical stuff on me. So I just invite your listeners to uh, have a look at that. They might find it funny. Some nice photographs there, too. Oh, yeah. I, I, I went through the whole thing, and that's where I, that's where I found out that ha- what, a, what a impressive resume you do have. And that's, you know, that's not easy. I mean, nowadays, you're lucky to get four or five credits to, to your name when you, do st- when you are an actress or an actor. So to have that, yeah. many, that, have that many experiences must have been amazing. It was. It was. And especially, uh, you know, the, the time in England was, was extraordinary. Uh, and I was allowed to work there uh, because Sarah, my wife, had been born there. And, 
although she is an American citizen, uh, once you're English, you're always English. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we wanted to test the waters over there, just go for maybe a year and see what was going on. I wanted to get back and do some plays. We, we couldn't do any plays here in in, uh, in Hollywood because we didn't have theater then. Uh, we do today, and it's very good theater. And uh, so when we made plans to go there for a year, uh, we had to check and see, could I work? And we called the consulate, and he said, well, was your wife born there? And I said, yes. He said, well, you have to support your missus then. <laughs> <laughs> he said, so you're allowed to work. I said, oh, wonderful. So we went there for one year, and we stayed for 12. Wow. What can I tell you? And uh, that was just loads of fun. I worked with the Royal Shakespeare Company. And Patrick Stewart, whom Star Trek fans know, of course, for Star Trek The Next Generation. Patrick Patrick was there just uh, like I was, an unknown. And uh, another wonderful actor, uh, Bob Hoskins, who did Roger Rabbit and various other things on the international uh, films. And we worked together there at the Royal Shakespeare Company. I had all that fun, too. It was just wonderful, Jason. I can't tell you. It was just great. Absolutely. Now, here's a question for you. Do you think Star Trek's Trek's, um, ability to survive over throughout these decades, do you really think it had... Uh, to do with having such strong characters, like it, when you think about it, you think of Picard, you think of um, you think of um, uh, Spock, you think of uh, uh, um, uh, what's it, uh, Captain well, Kirk, Captain Kirk. That, that's it. Um, you know Uhura, those guys, you know, Nichelle and all of those wonderful people. Yeah, yeah, those guys really. I think if they didn't have such a strong uh, presence on there, I, do you think it would have lasted as long? I, I agree with you. I think the actors did help it a great deal. They were wonderful. And Spock is a wonderful character. I mean, w- without Spock, you wouldn't have had a show. You could have had Captain Kirk without Spock, and it wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. It was just brilliant, uh, the conception of that. It was, it was just great. But it was, it was a combination of things. But they had this wonderful, wonderful cast, uh, the wonderful characters. Yeah, definitely. By the way, I just want to <laughs> You know, I went on the set for the first day, uh, you know, soon with George Takei, mm-hmm. the wonderful guy. But I had never met any of these fellows, and Bill was the only guy I knew on set. And uh, so I got introduced to everybody, and uh, so so I said something to George in Japanese, I rattled it off, and he looked at me blankly, and I repeated it, and he said to me, I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> And I, and I thought, oh, God, I made this mistake. Because I figure that anybody who has a foreign name and comes from a foreign place, they got to speak a, a language. Or something like, because my, my dad was German, my mother was Austrian, so I learned some German. You know. right. uh, but I, I did not learn Japanese from them, but I, I had been in the Korean War. And after I got out of that, I got into Japan for a year. Well, you can't be in a country for a year and not learn some of the language unless you're really lazy or dumb, you know. Right. And uh, I learned a fair amount. And uh, so I guess my ego was in play, and I, I wanted to show off, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just look like a dummy. You know, George is more American than I am. And <laughs> so... <laughs> So that taught me a lesson. Don't assume, you know, just keep your mouth shut. Don't, don't try to show off. And so, anyway, that was an experience. I, I remember that well. <laughs> right. 
I can imagine that. What was it like yeah, to like, work with like Leonard Nimoy and stuff? What was he like? Uh, you know, behind the scenes. Well, I didn't have to work intimately with Leonard, but he was very friendly and and very kind. Uh, and you know, that's one of the things about all the the actors there. When you, because I've been a regular on a show, and then you get guest people coming in. And you are a family, you know, and these are strangers coming in. And, you know, you're going to be nice to them and polite, but you want them to, you want them to be sure that they're going to come off well. They're going to do a good job, not screw up the day, not make you go into overtime, right. <laughs> all that stuff. But they're outsiders, you know. So, uh, you, in order to be polite, you welcome people in and you're nice. Uh, and some of it's mechanical, but I never felt that with uh, the boys there and the girls. They were very warm and welcoming. And uh, and I could feel that. Uh, because when you come in, and I was okay because I was on the show for you know, for a week or, or longer. It's when you come in for one day. That's the tough one. Right. Uh, but they were nice. And i, t- I tell you one funny story about Leonard. Uh, he, I think it was Sarah's episode. That's when I went to visit uh, on the set, and uh, Leonard has uh, had to lie down and go to sleep. And so they rehearsed it, and, and they said, and I watched it. They said, "Leonard, uh, we're going to shoot now." He said, "Yeah, okay, I'm ready." And he said, "Well, close your eyes." He said, "Vulcans don't have to close their eyes when they sleep." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I like that. Is that nice or what? You know? That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Listen, your listeners are way ahead of the game on this interview because you're the first one. I know I've got some more lined up, but your your people are hearing stuff that nobody else has heard before. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, what? Quick question though. Um, I know that the 50th anniversary is very special. Does the Star yes. Trek have anything planned for this 50 year anniversary? Did it already happen? Um, or are they going to? kind of bring it into the end of the season i know that they're having four they have four conventions planned i know there's one in las vegas i I think there's uh, i don't know where the others are to be honest but uh, i have a good chance of uh, appearing at those and i and i hope i do well that'd be exciting for you i'm sure and those those things have got to be amazing oh yeah well see the thing is I hadn't even thought about doing any of this stuff, but people were getting after me and on me, and especially with the 50-year anniversary. And I said, yeah, but they don't want to see me. I'm a, you know, I just... I said, you are got to be joking. And uh, sure enough, as it turns out, I put my toes in the water to find out what's going on. There's all kinds of excitement. I'm one of the few living people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people right. are still around, around from the 1960s who did it. And uh, you know, they don't care if I'm 84 as long as, you know, I'm up alive and I can run and still talk and think that it's all going to be okay. So it looks like I'm going to have a busy year. And uh, and as a matter of fact, that's very good for me. That's awesome. You know, you, you sit around in retirement community and, uh, you know, you'll rot. Uh, you you got to do something, and uh, and I am. I'm, I mean, I'm doing other things, but I'm really looking forward to this year. I'm glad. I'm I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the cast. I'm excited for the show. You know, to have the yeah. type of success and how they have the, they've gone into so many different types of versions of the show. It's amazing. And oh, uh, I know they knew I know, they knew what I they know. were doing. But, oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's really professional stuff. 
Well, unfortunately, we are down to our last minute and a half, so please tell everybody oh, how really? they can find you out. What were you saying? I said go ahead and tell everybody how they can find more about you and see, you know, catch oh, up on yes, stuff. Of and... course, of course. Uh, right. It's carlheld, C-A-R-L-H-E-L-D dot com, and uh, you will find me there. It's a website that is still building, and but you'll get an idea of the, the credits and all this stuff I've, I've looked I, I look at it, and I think... My gosh, did I really do all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I did. You can't make it up because you can trace it and track it all down. <laughs> that's the awful thing about Internet today. You can't really lie. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you used to put stuff on your, <laughs> on your credits, you know, while you were wanting to get a job. You think, well, they'll never check that one out. They'll never find it anyway. You know, I did uh, Hamlet, you know, in London. You know, it would take them a month to find out. Now they check out and find out, you, you know, what you had for dinner last night. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carl, thank you. You have been such an amazing guest, and you brought people such a, a – a, you brought – Star Trek to life for people on the show, and I'm so thankful for that. Again, th- I cannot uh, wait to have you back on. We'll talk more Star Trek in the future. That's very kind of you. I'm, I'm so privileged to join your list of wonderful guests that you've had. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you, Carl. And guys, d- stick around because we're going to go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we have more interviews, we have music, and more commentary, so stay tuned. Do you love horror? The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends. Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. This is Big Bibitetto. You are listening to the AME Radio Show. All right, guys. You guys having fun yet? We are back, and I'm going to be closing out the show with some music. Um, but I do want to mention that you know we did have a very crazy week last week, and it ended with France being attacked by terrorists, which killed a lot of people. And you know our thoughts, our prayers go out to the families and all of those involved with that uh, with that attack. And I hope that we can bring those people to justice. Um, this kind of stuff has got to stop, and we got to stand united as a country and as the world to stop this this rogue attacks on innocent innocent people and i think we can do that we just have to stay strong and we got to stop making excuses for people that do bad things that's just the way it's got to be i don't like to get political but unfortunately this is really important so please guys keep all those people in france keep the country of france in your prayers and let's hope that we can resolve this soon and we can take back this world from all these rogue people so let me get started off with our with my first song here. This is Live Fair, Why Can't I? All right, everybody, we are ready to close out the show with our last song. And uh, before we go, I want to wish everybody a great week. I hope you guys stay creative, and I hope you guys find something, inspire you to challenge yourself and do something that you've never thought of doing before, whether that be art, writing a book, writing music, singing, whatever it may be, get out there and get creative, and let's make this world a beautiful place to be in. Okay, guys, until next week, stay creative, and I'm going to be leaving you with the uh, song Juice Newton, Angel of the Morning.